Here we are with another episode of Sky Sessions. Today, it's myself, Blank Candle, Just Add Bacon, and Citus. A new patch just went live today. We'll be talking about that as well as what we've been seeing on Ladder and in Conquest. Uh, there's also a new breakthrough in Deciphering Sky Speech, and Bacon has released a new article. There's a lot of people who feel a lot of ways about the changes that Skyweaver has made in this last patch. But before we get to that, um, how are you guys doing? How are you, Bacon? Uh, I'm doing really well. I've been enjoying Dig a lot this week, and I got a flex. Uh, not Skyweaver related, but I have been accepted to grad school. Congratulations. I saw that post in the Foxfang Guild Discord, and I was really happy for you. I um, almost graduated high school, so I know what it's like to be in the big times. <laughs> that's that's. Why did you phrase it that way? That's not that's not a thing I'm supposed to laugh at. What the hell. <laughs> I did graduate high school, okay, and I went to oh, college. Oh, 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 jeez. It's like, yeah, high school dropout here. Well, jeez, thanks for making me feel good, Handle. Why right, you should feel good. You did a great accomplishment, and you still have a lot of work to do. I'm here living the easy life, working from home, and playing video games, and you're learning how to listen to people talk at you and write stuff down. Uh, my life is easy. Your life's hard. Who wins? I don't like this. Sidus, how are you doing? <laughs> okay. Let's switch to a topic that Bacon feel more comfortable with. So, uh, we just started a new season. So I have been playing a lot of uh, games on data. And since they just revealed two new cards, I'm trying to also build decks uh, using the new card, so I'm pretty sure I will have a lot of things to discuss in this episode. That's great, yeah. What decks have you uh, been enjoying the most right now? Let's just really quickly go over what's your favorite. Uh, I'm still playing EXO for the most of the time, and by EXO, I mean the uh, Gary Longboy deck. And since the uh, one of the two cards that just got revealed is Longboy related, and I'm referring to Court Keeper. Uh, in case uh, you still don't know how the work, how the card does, it's the four cold stack unit with uh, two power and six skills, and life steal. And its text says, whenever a non Longboy unit die, summon a Longboy with life steal. So yeah, it it have a uh, some good synergy with. Longboy deck in general, and also uh, it provides lifesteal on the Longboy's summoned, so your hero will be getting some nice heals back after the death effect trigger. It's funny, I think they might have just added, uh, you know, lifesteal to it after listening to you last podcast saying you wanted lifesteal on a Zomboid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and beside the EXO deck, uh, actually, I have been making a new OTK deck using Court Keeper, but uh, after I no. spent hours and hours refining it, they just released patch 108, and one of the card change just completely destroyed my OTK deck, so it's no longer playable, unfortunately. But it's fun when it lasts. Well, For like one week? <laughs> yeah. What was the OTK? Was it like Torx, Leonidas things? Yeah, it, it, exactly. So you play CT, and it's a 5-calf combo. 
and you play Leonitas Andromeda, Hotkeeper, and Tox. And also, you need to hold a buckler up in your hand. So, uh, you need to have something on the upside of the board, and you play buckler up to give the armor. And you just recite uh, your Micron Drone in Final City, and every left cast will give you a new Micron Drone, and you use the uh, Long Void generate from the death of Micron Drone to left itself, and this will give you a new Micron Drone, and you just repeat until uh, your Ottoman is dead. So, <laughs> after patch 108, they, they changed Buckler up to be only able to target your own unit, so it will not work anymore. Yeah. But it would I'm work if they, to... if they had their own armor unit, huh? Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> To be able to play the throw combo is already difficult. Yeah. So asking the opponent to have an armor unit is too much. 15. Yeah, I'm trying not to laugh too hard, but like they tried to tone down the buff spells to just make them a little bit simpler, a little bit easier for like some other things to design around. I have this idea. It's a little like tinfoil hat theory. They're going to make cards that like play buff spells out of your deck that the odds of that happening are like five percent but i think it'd be really cool if like i could just draw a flame blade out of my deck and slap it on something but like the idea that this random innocuous wording change to a buff spell that nobody uses broken otk combo is just the most hilarious thing to me <laughs> yeah or, or was that on purpose what if mana and coulter are just that good I think the main purpose is to solve the uh, bad experience uh, when you play Stone Echo or Hex Beast and your buffing spell just target your opponent. Uh, so I have seen some players running huge fight in Mira Surge and if your Stone Echo actually hit huge fight, it's not really fun to be real right. because you. you yeah, you always give your opponent an 8-8. Eight, eight. I, guess, I guess we'll just get into this. We're going to get on to the patch, and I guess this will be the first thing we talk about, because I think I'm I'm kind of against this minor change to a number of small cards. Um, not all... Some of them are probably good changes or totally innocent, non-important changes. But overall, I don't know if I like the idea of simplifying the game by making a lot of buff cards only hit your allies. And for many reasons, one of which is I don't think Storm Echo needs a buff. It's In fact, I thought it might be on the nerfing block because Storm Echo you know, is a good card. And just changing eight different cards to better interact with Storm's Echo is a lot of work. I guess it's probably you know to help down the ro road when they do something like Bacon was saying, causing... Um, casting buff out of deck but there are a lot of downsides that people don't immediately think of when changing buff spells to only hit allies yeah so uh i think the main goal of these changes is to reduce the frustrations because uh if you are really a good player uh you can control your stone echo to not let your buffing spell hit uh, opponent unit happen. So uh, this will, I, I think this will help the game experience for beginner and medium players more than uh, 
help the uh, players that is the most competitive ones, I guess. But yeah, um, it it also really hurts on nice nice synergy. So for example, I really like to use wind construct to, as a guard removal, and I I also use bolster to remove the steals from enemy units a lot, and, and I mean bolster is such a nice attachment to play. And after this patch, I don't yeah it loses a lot of uh potential plays. And that's kind of a pity. Yeah, that's I, yeah. That's what I was kind of getting at. And I don't think we should aim a game. This is just my personal opinion, and I I don't have any problem with the way Matt Matta and Coulter are nerfing these. I just have my own opinions about not aiming a competitive card game at the middle of the pack or the new player experience. Because what is exciting about a card game, and this is for new players too. What's exciting is learning new interactions or watching a tournament and seeing a player do something you never thought of. That's exciting. That's cool. We're like, oh, wow, I didn't even know, you know, he has a unit. He has a guardian in the way. I didn't know he could just go ahead and wing construct, get rid of the guard and hit him for face. I'm surprised that was cool. Now I'm going to do that in game. And now we're going to just see a little... And I just... I see... Some tweakings of cards. There's another card in this patch that just gets slightly tweaked, and we're seeing tweaks that make it almost completely ir like people say, "Oh, it's completely irrelevant what changed." But in those very specific niche, high-level play moments, we're just gonna see a slight bit less than them. And I made a list of reasons, and I took Wing Construct as an example, like a reasons why I might want to play it on an enemy, which are all valid. That they're not just random things I thought of to reinforce my point. Like oftentimes you want your unit to die, maybe for a death effect, or even like if you just have an extra unit and you want to play stand as one or something, you want the buff from it, and you the enemy doesn't have enough damage to, you know kill your unit you might wing construct it so you can sack your own unit for whatever purpose that benefits you for like you said you can use it to get rid of guard which is sometimes exactly what you need to win the game and another reason is in intel intellect you have ari's insight and cast in chrome which you can tutor stuff out and sometimes you're you know you're at 10 mana and you have a fireball in there you just need to play one mana and you don't have any units on the board but they have a unit you can play Wing Construct, get it out of your hand, and now you're at 9 mana, you play Ari's Insight, you get Fireball, you win the game. And so it's just these creative plays that take two or three levels of thought, and I'm not even one of the smartest, greatest players, but these are some of the levels of play that start getting more interesting before you get into Bacon and Sidus' level of play, where you're not only doing that for what's in your deck, you're doing that for the many things you can out of deck and conjure and create and you're planning ahead and i'm not doing that but i still find usefulness in this so i i just feel like simplifying the game is great and fun but there is something to be said about really unique thought out plays that we're just going to see less of the more we simplify cards so i think that there are really three different arguments going on here and i think it'd be good to clarify them First is the design philosophy. 
how simple or complex should the card game actually be? What kind of cards should be simple? Which one should be complex? And where should this complexity be? What kinds of complexity are good? And what kind of complexity is bad? And all of that stuff. We're talking in like a very vague abstract. Second is the actual cards themselves that have been changed. For those who uh, have not seen the patch or just want a heads up on them, it is Stonefist, Glorious Mane, Windblade, Aquablade, Flameblade, Windblade, Dawnblade, Buckler Up, Wing Construct, as we've been talking about a lot, and also Bolster. Those cards and their own individual balance concerns are also another consideration. Finally, and something that I don't think people have talked a lot about, is what this actually does for the design space in the game as a whole. What it does for cards that we can add to the game later, or how it affects other cards that are also in the game, not the ones directly addressed. First off, for the design of philosophy, I like the idea of like the card game being simple. Or not really simple in like just a broad overall concept, but I like the idea that there are like different spheres of play where people can kind of self-select into what they want to, or they can select into what is best for them as a player. For new players, I like the idea of there being like simpler sets of cards that they can use and still enjoy without having these unique things. Although I don't like the idea of that spilling over into higher level, more complex play, and I don't think that this is a pick one and not the other situation. I think that you can have both. I think you can have your Ember Wolves and your Fox Familiars. Secondly, for the actual individual cards, I don't really, like, this doesn't help any of them, like, just on a pure mathematical level. There's never going to be a time where having less choices makes a perfectly rational player better. Now, maybe it saves some people from misplays, and that's nice, but also, you know, people can not make misplays and get good at the game, and also not blame the game design whenever they make misplays, because that's, by definition, their own fault. Now, there is one angle where I think that these changes could actually be a net positive for that game, and it is enabling, like, design space. Like they kind of allude to here with, like, autocasters, I... Honestly, I come from a Yu-Gi-Oh background. That was what I played, and then I did Hearthstone and Eternal and stuff. I like autocasters. I like slamming stuff out of my deck onto the board. It makes me feel smart and tactical. That's why I really enjoy, like, Supersonic and the Fox Familiar. It's just, like, these cool synergies I get to do, and they don't even require that much setup. They just require me to build my deck well. If, and this is a if, but if we get autocasters that actually work with these kinds of buff spells... Because a lot of these are also, like, not really played that much. Like, we're talking about Wing Construct, but, like, let's be real, the only time that card was getting played was when you got it off of Shiny, and you had excess mana that you wanted to use it for. Like, that was the only time anybody was using it. Same with Flameblade, as much as I like it. Also, Waneblade, for strange reasons I don't understand, and so on and so forth. If there is a way that we can actually take this design limitation on the cards and we can use that to have other cards in the game that make these more playable and more fun in general, then that would be a net positive. Like, if there was some unit that, like, just played Blades out of your deck onto your board, that would be really cool. But, uh, until we actually get that, I'm a bit suspicious at both this change and the philosophy itself guiding it. Yeah, uh, I, I think what Bacon just said uh, really makes sense in his aspect. So, uh, and before I start to uh, add more opinion, I, I want to say first that I agree with Bacon. And when you are designing your game, you are always making compromises. So, 
uh, when you achieve uh, good results in some aspect, you might lose uh, some benefits from another aspect. And I want to share my experience when I just started to play Skyweaver. So uh, the most, uh, the thing that attract me the most is the at attachment system. And um, the reason is that you can uh, do a lot of different uh, crossing by overwriting attachment with uh, with stuff. And by, by saying this, I also think that uh, the fact that God and steels can override each other is kind of a similar mechanic to the attachment overwriting things. Uh, so uh, uh, we are discussing about should buff spell always hit our own units and should debuff spell always hit enemy units. Um, as a creative player certified by Frank Handel, uh, I actually played the okay and vacant. <laughs> okay, so uh, I actually played debuff spells on my own units a lot to remove uh tricky attachments such as roots. So, for example, uh, if you press Garabot, uh, you most likely want it to dice and trigger the death effect. So Scarabot is actually very weak against uh, Ensnare, which reduces its power to reroll and also attach rules to it. Uh, but you can try to play Hex Faction on your Scarabot, and this will kill it and end of your turn and trigger its death effect. So this is just an example. So uh, by giving the op options to players that uh, you can play debuff on your own unit when the game state is asking you to do so it's pretty nice and it will actually create a really positive gameplay experience for both for both sides so for you you just make a place that normally a player wouldn't think of and for your opponent uh they will kind of think okay i i instead his scholar board this is a very good plus one for me and what? What the hell? He just put Hex on his own scarboard to kill it. Wow, I don't know that cool interaction is this. So just as Brent Candle mentioned earlier, uh, these shiny plays really bring life into uh, the trading card games. And I think it's a good thing. So uh, even though I completely agree with Bacon's idea about the future design space, I think they kind of lose uh, this as aspect of of gameplay so that's kind of a pity but i guess we have to live with it yeah something i want to add just in that vein is also like there's a, some other cards i'm kind of like wondering now if they're going to change like deep slice currently allows you to attach change to any target it can also include your hero and this is wildly helpful uh, there yeah. aren't things for it in the meta right now, and frankly, Deep Slice is not a great card in the meta because armor is just everywhere. But whenever uh, Aegis of Light, or whatever it's called, was just like pocket sand, it would blind your hero immediately. Deep Slice was a great counter to that. Whenever Frost Adept was slapping Frostbite onto your hero on like turn four, Deep Slice, great counter to that. It's one of my favorite cards, and it's just like sitting there. And uh, now I'm kind of wondering what's going to be done with things like it. Yeah, that's one of the spells that I play my on, on my own units the most. Yeah, like it can clean roots. 
It can clean. Yeah. It can just. I mean, it just cleans up attachments. It's handy. Yeah. Yeah. I should also mention though that if they're going to go uh, in this design direction, ally unit can actually be like a keyword on spells now that we can use for like searching effects. Which is part of why I want to believe that like there will be some self casting or smarter tutoring with it, because like now you can have a card that's like. Play a spell from your deck that targets an ally unit. You can put that directly on a card, and now we have a broader category of cards that are actually going to do that. We've created room for synergies, and we have a clear and easily understood keyword for doing that. Well, Before, it would have had to have will, been... Actually, a good idea. Yeah. Before, it would have had to have been something like, play your lowest cost spell that can target an ally unit, but even that might not be good. Like, Execute can target an ally unit, and sometimes you want to kill your own unit to trigger its slay effect, but other times you don't. This is, if they go in this direction, it's much more predictable and probably easier to build around. Yeah, and that could also give them the ability to exclude cards that they usually use on ally units that they don't want to tutor for whatever reason, if they yeah. just don't specify. Yeah. I don't know. I think Coulter and Mana have got, like, a good long-term vision, and they have, like, amazing long-term playing skills. I've seen them do interesting stuff, like, in one patch, and I'm like, that's a little weird. And then, like, five patches later, it's like the light bulb clicks, and it's like, oh. So so I think they might be doing that here. I don't know. I could be entirely yeah. wrong. Yeah, I believe there's a plan, and, and the game's going in a direction, and I'm I'm coming with it wherever we go, but I think it's also important to when we see things that change in more ways than we expected it to, to, to bring it up and, you know, see if that was intended. Yeah. So, uh, that was a lot of time to spend on wing construct. <laughs> Do we want to go on to some of the other cards? <laughs> uh, sure. I'm going to go ahead and skip right to shredder. Real quick, because this is another card that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's simplification for simplification's sake, where it loses nuance, and I like the nuance. Um, and I, I mean, honestly, I don't think this card is like worse than it was. Or, it, by the way, it said the text was play. It's a two cost, three two agility fire unit, and the text was play attack target enemy unit if lethal gains stealth. Now it's got a text, slay, gain stealth, and it was given dash. So you can play it, attack with it immediately, and it has stealth. So it sounds very similar, but like I said, it's just losing some nuance to the card, which I think gave Shredder unique abilities. Um, it does gain a lot of things that it can do now, too. Um, but I'll give two examples of what it can't do now. And I had an argument with somebody um, on stream one time about a month ago, and they were like, Shredder just has Dash. It's just called something different. And I had to get into them. Like, it's not. It's a, It's actually a different card with a different ability, and it does things differently. And um, I can give probably two examples, and I'm sure Sidus can give like 20 more that he knows. But, you know, attacking a stealth unit is something that um, Shredder used to be able to do that it won't be able to do now. But also in situations like Amaroth, which have uh, abilities that happen when you summon a unit, 
um, Shredder would actually attach, attack that before it got roots because it's a play ability. So it can attack, you know, like when Cloud Guard's out there or something. And these are just little things, but if you can recognize these changes and these differences, you can make you win in certain weird situations. Um, and uh, one major thing Shredder gets that it didn't have now is now you can play it and then play buff spells or play synergistic spells before you attack with it, which is a huge benefit to Shredder and might outweigh what it's losing from the play effect, but it's just different now. Yeah, so I'm going to have to disagree with you on this being a bad change. I think that even in the spots where Shredder is worse off, I think that that's better for game design overall. Uh, first off, the positives. Yeah, buffs are really good with this card now. Like... If you want to compare within the same prism, Reckless Racer is probably one of the best Golaris main targets in the game. Shredder is not Reckless Racer, but it's kind of close. And also like being in fire, you know it does some cool things there. Uh, if the fire package ever gets like restored even slightly, like Hot Dog and Run Wild are just mathematically strong cards, and having access to something like Shredder, and also now we have like, we still have a good Shogun, we still have a Hex Volpine. I think that there could be elemental things that include Shredder now. I'm definitely running it in Heatwave. And aside from that, like, uh, what was I about to say? Yeah, the instances that you outline where Shredder, like, previously would work and now it does not, I think are actually good for the game. So, it cannot directly target a stealth unit. True. You can also attack the opponent's hero with your hero or any other unit on your board, and then Shredder can hit the enemy stealth unit. I think that that is good because I think that stealth is a very weak keyword generally, and I like the idea of defensive and protective keywords actually being worth something. Now, if the opponent has guard, you cannot do that. Yes, that is because guard is a very garbage keyword in the vast majority of circumstances because there are one and two mana spells like Ensnare and Sunder that invalidate it entirely, and I like the idea of guard actually being useful in the game. You mentioned the Amaruaf interaction. That would be cool. Except that Shredder is a 2-mana unit, and Amaruath is a 8-mana unit that should kind of be a finisher. I don't really like the idea of 2-mana unit spells being able to just, like, universally work through the effects of such expensive cards. I think that finishers should be able to, like, actually do powerful, impactful things. Also, aside from those things, Shredder actually works better with a bunch of very cool and interesting agility spells that are, like, summon effects, which I also think are just inherently cool. If you Shreddered for Runwild before, Shredder would merely be a uh, overcosted Emberwolf, and then it would die to Banner. If you Shredder with Runwild now, you get to trade it into something, and Shredder gets to pick up the stealth that it would have otherwise missed. The same interaction also exists with Dash for the Cup, and if you're really feeling spicy, Teleport. I just think, I, I can see where like people are coming from, but I think that overall this change is not just good, but actively like improves the overall game design as a whole because it kind of rejiggers what a two-mana unit is capable of doing and not capable of doing, while also improving synergies within the game. Yeah, and I, I, I suppose there's a lot to be said about what you said, and I'm not trying to say that I'm categorically against this change or anything. I just, you know, fear change and will miss the nostalgia of a card that once did this, and... I can live with it, and we can get past it, and Shredder and I can be friends still. But I, I, I have many fond memories of Shredder killing Buster, and um, and I'm going to miss that. I'm going to miss that Shredder. 
Shredder is still yeah. going to be able to kill Buster. Well, uh... Um, so, uh, we, uh, since we are all discussing Buster, I want to uh, mention some use case for Shredder that actually exists in real games. So, almost all the players will know Shredder has been a pre-nerfed Buster Square Killer, and also Nico Killer, and also Sorry Bacon, but it's a fast familiar killer. And... Um, since uh, Fox Metal is a very popular archetype right now, uh, it can also be used to kill the uh, Maculi and Reckless Racer if your opponent is going really greedy and drop land turn 1, aiming for the turn 2 Glorious Man. So uh, all of these uh, actual real game uh, circumstances, Shredder will still be able to kill these guys. So... Uh, after the Buster Square is changed, I think Shredder is not as good as a counter to Buster as before because now Buster Square has two power. So um, even if Shredder is not changed, it will also kill himself. So there's that. And also, uh, giving dash on a unit uh, actually opened up some additional synergies. And by synergies, I mean with hard prison. So uh, we know tireless iteration exists in hard. And also there are a lot of uh, reselection king spells such as second chance and jar of souls. So if these reselection spells hit your any units with dash, it's kind of good. Because uh, for example, with second chance, uh, if it had hit shredder, you got a 4-4 uh, dash, dash banner with shield. So it's really good. And the trade-off is of of course uh it loses on um import important <coughs> interaction to kill mid-game steals unit. And uh I want to emphasize the mid-game because in early games I don't think the change will affect the shadow's removal ability a lot. And if you think of Cure Meta. What is the most nasty stealth unit that can exist in the mid game? Then, and I, I'm asking you guys. Oh, uh, um. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking through. Which prism? Because uh, I know, like, whatever I'm about to say, it's about to I be mean, wrong. Anything in the meta. Oh, you're talking about um, the splish splashing <laughs> uh, serpent, sea serpent? Uh, no, it lost stealth. Oh, it did lose stealth. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's why I was thinking, you know, it can't be that one. I mean, are we sure we're not still talking about Buster? Yeah. Like, what, so, what stealth unit is more dangerous than Buster? So, as you can see, Bacon Oh, no, 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 no. No, I got it. It's Scarred Servitor. Okay, let's, let's one of them. So, as you can see, <laughs> uh, I think Bacon and Blank Handle are two really good players already. And it really takes a long time for them to think of a nasty stealth unit that you really need Shredder to uh, handle. And they are having a hard time think of one. So that means there's literally not that much stealth units that require Shredder as the removal options in mid-game. So the Shredder change actually um, does not affect the usage of the card a lot. He tricked us, and Bacon. Since, 
Okay. He made us yeah. think there was a specific card he was talking about, and he was just proving <laughs> a point with us. <laughs> okay, so uh, there's a good thing that Bacon's mentioned, uh, or Blank mentioned, uh, the Deep Sea Serpent. So there's a, a, another upside for Shredder, is that it can target a unit with shell after the fix, because dash is a trait that enables you to attack with the units as, as soon as it got played, but uh, a play effect would be prevented by shout as you cannot target anything with play of, uh, with shout with your play effect. So there's that as well. And I got I got one more interaction for you. It can hit Pokey Mail Pig too. I think that's kind of big. That was my that's the one I was thinking of, but I it, but it didn't seem late game enough for his or mid game enough for his consideration. Yeah. yeah. So this is a few fix in the patch that I I don't hate. <laughs> this is one of the few you don't hate. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. let's move into another one that's said they made as a simplification sort of thing and I don't think this actually simplifies the card uh it just makes it just different um it, now it has very unique interesting interactions that it didn't have before and it loses some very unique interesting interactions it did have before and I'm of course talking about drone surge the text was do two damage to target or three damage if your hero has 16 or less health summon micron drone for each damage done the text is now do two damage to target and summon two micron drones. If your hero has 16 health or less, summon three instead. How do we feel about this change? I don't think this is a simplification. I think that this is just a good deserved. The interaction that was specifically targeted here is kind of obtuse, but it's actually a uh, frostbite. My, my deck that I was using, like the aquarium one or whatever, I haven't got them back around to actually testing with it yet i've been too busy testing dig but one of the weird quirky things that was carrying the stack and it is just a deck of weird quirky interactions that are way too good was putting this card with freaking water rune because then you would just randomly do four damage to something and uh get an extra four drones which means that you had like a four mana deal at least eight spell it was just silly also this card is just perpetually very good and hard not to run in whatever deck I'm playing. It just does good damage. Yeah, it just... It's great it just card, does good but here's my counter to what you said in... Well, not my counter, what said, my ex expansion on that. Because like I said, it didn't get less complicated, it just got complicated in a different way. And I agree, what it got rid of, the interaction it got rid of, is the Frostbite interaction, which you're talking about, which was interesting and cool and sometimes very useful and sometimes not useful the new interaction it got is let's say um you need to get rid of barrier on something you use drone surge to, on a barrier unit you get rid of the barrier but you still get two micron drones where the previous version you would have gotten zero um or, yeah which you know can be useful to and it's just different interactions. Also, if you attack, use Micron or Drone Surge on an armor unit, you will get two Micron Drones instead of one now. Uh-huh. 
And I, as a general design rule, I think good balance changes are those that reduce the ceiling of the card and raise the floor. This does everything that I like in a balance change. What's your opinion, Cytus? Um, I think uh, I kind of agree with Bacon. Um, so I don't really think a three mana spell should be able to deal six. And and in my eye, this change is to uh modify the card that it deal four damage if your hero has six uh more than sixteen health, and it's dealing five damage is if your hero has sixteen health or less. So um I think the armor interaction and frostbite interaction is kind of niche, but uh it's still it it, it is still possible in some place and. Uh, even so, uh, after the patch, this card does seem a lot less shiny, but I think it's more fair. So I'm, I'm kind of neutral to uh, the change on this card, to be honest. Um, I think I, I am the kind of players that like shiny plays a lot, but I also want, want every card to be... Um, more balance on power level and drone search had been a really 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 strong card like it's almost an auto inclusion in any agility based uh aggro decks and sometimes even in mid-range or control decks because its removal uh potential is just too good and i think after patch 108 uh players will really start to consider uh is this card really good enough for me to put it in my deck and I think this is a good sign because you have to make more consideration when you are deck doing your deck building. So yeah, uh, yeah. I don't hate this change. Uh, I want to elaborate on a point that Cytus has made about auto includes because being an auto include is not necessarily bad in its own right, but it can be a sign of not great things. I think that there are places in the game for like what I would think of are good auto-includes, in that they are kind of like prism staples, or kind of like pillars of what makes that prism unique and special. I feel like every prism in the game should be good at some things, they should all have like their own defining traits, because that just makes the game better. So for this reason, you might have something like Incinerate and Wisdom, because Wisdom is supposed to have like, there's just generally good removal options in the early game, and Agility gets something like Fire Rune, which just is a very good mathematically strong card for aggression under condition that you can actually like build it off well where i think auto includes go wrong is whenever a card hits such a high quality that the deck you're playing doesn't really give reference to it and it becomes more of a warping reason for well why am i not building this deck in agility when i could run these good cards instead of thinking i want to play agility for these cards it kind of it kind of becomes where like it just pulls everything towards a certain prism, which hurts the idea of them all together. They're supposed to make it where every prism is playable. Uh, I think what you said makes sense if the cast is not, uh, does not have so much utility. So for example, uh, if we look at something like Incinerate, it's a very good removal removal spell, but it's just a removal spell. You cannot use it to, uh, for example, damage enemy hero or threaten any potential 
uh, aggression uh, in the next turn. So uh, the issue about Drone Surge had been, uh, it, it, it is a card that is capable of doing anything. So uh, it can hit any target, which means uh, if, if the circumstances is demanding, you can use this as a burn spell to finish your, finish your opponent. And it can be used to remove enemy uh, threat. And it also can be used as a, uh, to de develop your own board as a tempo card because uh, you, summons, you can summon three micro drones and it's not really that easy to remove uh, three micro drones at the early game. So this card is almost never bad in any circumstances. So uh, if, if a card can be a removal option, it can be a tempo option, and also be a burn option, I think we have to be really, really careful about the balance of such card. So uh, I, I actually uh, ranting about Drone Search being super OP as soon as it's released. So uh, when they nerf its damage below the hill's variable to from 4 damage to 3 damage, I'm really happy. And I'm kind of uh, satisfied to see its damage potential being dragged out further with this patch. So yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah, I will not lie. Drone Surge has been a bugaboo of mine for a while. Mostly because, you know, I like playing... I won't say I like, I'll just say that, like, for the past several months, I've enjoyed playing, like, these defensive-style work decks, and then all of a sudden, because I'm actually doing well in the game, my opponent slaps me in the face for 4 damage with this thing, and then kills my guy, and then plays card sling, and then deals another 3 damage to my face and draws. It all just gets very annoying whenever all of these, like, random spells that were going to be in their deck regardless, I couldn't have really done anything about and actively get better whenever I am the better player. Uh, all of that happening is just irritating, so I'm also quite happy to see Drone Surge get knocked down a peg. Uh, so, Frank, yeah. uh, what's your options on this? On Drone Surge? Oh, yeah. I, I, Drone Surge is a powerful card. It's a very powerful card. I play, play a fair amount of Agi, and I feel like I've used Drone Surge as face burn lethal more often than i've used it for anything else so getting rid of that ability i think is a positive for the game state as a whole because three damage out of hand to the face that also clears a guard unit or the possibility of clearing two guard units that have three health stuff like that was really powerful and it was nice to be powerful when you had it but it was a little frustrating to be against so Overall, I think the card was overpowered, and I think another, because it has already been nerfed before, another nerf was in line. Um, my only thoughts on this nerf is it, it just changes its utility a little bit, because I can imagine some situations where I will use it and get um, drones where I wouldn't before, and obviously we'll see situations where we use it and get fewer drones than before. So um, overall, I, I think that it's better for the game. Yeah. Okay, uh, shall we move on to the next one? Yeah, speaking of all the things that we've just said about Drone Surge and being good at everything all the time and uh, forcing you to uh, play specific prisms even if you don't want to, uh, Soulpire Titan. Ah, here we go again. <laughs> here we go. 
so I guess I'll read it off. Soul Pyre Titan was a card in the previous patch. It was a 20 cost, 7-7 seven, seven dash. It loses one cost for each point of health that your hero has lost this game. Attached to it is a 3-mana spell called Burnout. Burnout draws 4 cards from your deck, and then will dust a random 10 cards in your deck as of patch 107. In the previous patch, there were a large number of decks, largely put together by very talented players like uh, Zayu, who were basically working out strategies where you turbo out this card extremely fast. Like, I believe I saw Mata say that turn 6 was the average. I probably don't have the same sampling size as him, but I was seeing turn 5 to, with this, where it basically comes down as a 3-mana 7-7, seven, seven, sometimes more like a 2-mana 7-7, seven, seven, and usually just like slap that burnout too to just reload your hand. It would kill basically anything that could be on the board at that time, and it would add, you know, four brand new cards to your hand. Playing this in very aggressive decks, you would basically throttle them from turns one, two, three, four, and if they have board control at this point, or if they've started to like knock you away, you play Soul Power Titan because, you know, you've taken a lot of damage to put down aggression that quickly, and then you reload your hand. Complementing this are cards like Vile Deal and, uh, what's it, Searing Rage, which also allow you, you know, they have a big recoil price, but that really doesn't matter whenever you can play this very cheap thing very quickly and just run over your opponent incredibly fast. So, the way that they decided to address this card, uh, they reduced its power and health by one. So it is now a 6-6 unit which most likely does all of the same things that it used to do. Blank Candle Cytus, uh, you guys go first. Uh, I, 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 can, uh, I will share the interaction that is changed, and by change I, I mean not nerf, just change. As Bacon mentioned in the last episode, there is a very uh, unique combo that you can land on turn 6 or turn 7, so you try to uh, deal damage to your own hero as much as possible to be able to play Soul Pipe Titan for zero. And then you play Soul Pipe Titan, and then you play Warden's Command, which gives you uh, no pseudo best. And um, the, the condition for this combo to work is that Soul Pipe, Soul Pipe Titan need to have seven heals because uh, our... Warden's command is summoning a new unit based on the uh, units with most heals on your own board. So uh, it also gives two heals to your own unit. So if Soul Fire Titan has seven heals, after debuffing, it will have nine heals, which being a nine cost unit. And now uh, its heals got toned down to six, which means if, if you do the same combo, it will have eight heals right now. So it will give you a uh, a cost unit from your deck. And also note that if you are running this combo, you must run Iris because Warden's Command is in Wisdom and Soul Power Titan is in Agility. So you have to think what uh, A cost unit is most impacting in this prison. And the first one I think of is, of course, Amarua because uh, you are already dealing a lot of damage to your own hero, so you really need some kind of protection. And I think Nosudo Best 
was on the aggress aggressive side. If you really want me to pick one side, and the Amarua is uh, I will think I will consider it as the more impacting threat, and it also has a better text and uh better kills as a guard unit, so it will protect your hero better. But uh, uh, if your opponent had already built a really good board, uh, maybe you can deal with them with no pseudo best. Uh, especially when you are playing against long boy deck, because you are already losing a lot of health. Uh, if you, uh, if your hero, uh, if your opponent is having a lot of long boy, your deck, uh, even if you drop Amarua and slow pair Titan in the center, you might still die. But if you uh, drop no pseudo best, all of the long boy is returned to your opponent's hand in their Medina form. So that means uh, if they get long boy with something like War of Death, the long boy will have God. And after they got Fram back to their hand, they will lose God. So uh, if you have Diesel with your no pseudo best and so Titan next turn, you might uh, most likely win again. But with Amaruas, you will not. So uh, it's kind of trade-off. But I, st I still think Amarua is a very dangerous hit with uh, Warden's Command. So uh, this chain doesn't really solve the cheating potential for this combo. It just changes it from one thing to another thing. Well, okay. you would also say that when you were running the combo with Norsa Dufest, um, you were main decking Mei Long, so you had to draw Mei Long first, or otherwise you would get out Mei Long. So if the situation with Amaroth is the same, I'm assuming you're going to main deck Amaroth because uh, there's seven total eight-cost agility and wisdom units. So if you have already drawn it or you don't main deck it, you only have a one in seven chance to get it. And yeah, or, we will we will main deck Amarua. So yeah, if you've already drawn it, um, you're getting a much worse unit than you would under the situation before. Yeah, that that's well. Yeah, a quick counterpoint to uh Sidus. I don't know what the best way to do the uh Titan command combo is. But I do know that if you still want to pull Norsudo Vest, all you have to do is run Orchid and give Titan back its like 7 7 stat line. You spend one more card, but I mean, like, you're playing Orchid, and Orchid is also pretty good, and it works with a lot of other things in the deck. Like, Orchid is just good with, uh, what is it, Pokey? It works well. I run Speedster in mine because Speedster is just like a nice card. I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's like the best way to do it, but like, that is there. You can 100% still rather easily hit Norsudo Vest with a 6-mana Warden's Command and also play Burnout and also have this dashing 7-7. Seven, seven. Yeah. Uh, so do you have other... Uh, do you have seen other combos yourself, Black Handle? Oh, I've played with... I've played with Soulpire card, Titan as a combo card more than I've played with it as an aggressive card. I think it's a really amazing combo card, and that is a hidden area of its strength. That um, I mean, it's a fantastic aggressive card. It's a fantastic draw engine, 
But if you're talking about stats for zero mana with dash, you know, there's there's a lot you can do with that. One thing I did a lot was, uh, and, and I actually haven't seen this deck. I, I saw Zayu play a version of it after I built it, but I haven't seen it around too much, and it was fairly successful. And I did make a new version of it, but I think I was asleep when I did it because it just does not make sense. And I'm going to try it out and see if I can figure out what the hell I was thinking. But um, basically, you get Soul Pirate down low. And this is also with Iris. You um, play Shields up to get your Soul Pyre, get it down to zero cost. Now, it it was a 7-14. You play it out. You attack. You clear a board. Or you play Shields up. Uh, or you, you play Shield Bash. You play... Um, speed boots or whatever, but more importantly, you play um, the same turn, Ruined Visage. So you're just creating, like, you know, a 14-14 with shield, guard, and dash, and a 16-18 with guard and roots, and you do it all for um, four mana, or all six mana, or you do it for seven mana and you attack face with it too so that's just like i like the, i like the combo you if you can control stats and get them on the board for free there's some cool stuff you can do with it um obviously that's just one other example um but beyond the warden's command one honestly i don't think that like the command or not the i mean command is kind of janky i'm not i'm not big on these uh lol i play wild stuff way too cheap combos i don't think that was what was like really irritating people i think it's more so how titan like actually works in game yeah i agree because it's I, kind of i don't think yeah. i don't think that this was a nerf that was aimed at command or anything I, and i don't think that's people's issue i don't think that's what people are upset about at all i think that what they're upset about is the card and how they keep running into it and they don't feel like negative one negative one addresses their concern yeah because primarily like there are two times we'll we'll reduce ourselves only two times that Titan can be played. Either or no, we'll make it four. We'll be a bit more fair. So either both players are neutral, neither player has a clear position, player A has an advantage over player B, or player B has an advantage over player A. If you are beating your opponent, if we are player A and we are beating them, we are winning the game, we are playing better than them. And all of a sudden, they produce a zero mana unit, which kills whatever important stuff you had on board, reloads their hand, and also they still have all of this leftover mana to just completely swing the board back around. And that is a consequence of the fact that you were actually pressing damage into their face, playing the game in a vague sense how you were supposed to, then that just doesn't really feel intuitively fair. It feels as though you've been punished for playing by the rules. On the other side, if you are actively losing the game, and you manage to start mounting a comeback, and then because you were able to mount a comeback, your opponent now gets to play as your mana saying da da da, that also doesn't feel great. If both players are in kind of an ambiguous position, and they're both jockeying around Soul Pyre Titan, that then creates an instance of the game where neither player actually wants to deal damage, which is something that I don't think we should really 
almost ever incentivized. I don't think that there should be a ton of times where making, like, actually trying to progress the game is a bad thing. This is part of why I'm actually, like, rather sympathetic to how Mechroom was changed, because Mechroom would create situations where it was actually best to not attack for several turns, which to me seems to be contrary to what you're supposed to be doing when you're playing a card game like Skyweaver. In our final situation, if both players are in a neutral position, then you also have a situation where both players are going to be thinking, well, if I accidentally start winning too well here, my opponent gets to play Soulpire Titan, so I want to avoid doing that. I want to uh, basically stall the game until I can actually get into a better position where I won't just have it completely swept under me by Soulpire Titan. I think primarily the issue with this card and what I think is a more troubling issue with Agility's recoil design in general is that it seems to create perverse incentives for the players in the game. Agility is in a weird spot because it wants to take damage. And I think that like that's something that can be done well. It can be done in like a cool, flavorful way. We've seen it before with Hex Volpine. But I don't think that just taking damage for the sake of taking damage should be something that we actively look towards as a good in the game. I think that you can have recoil effects like Grim Reprisal or Bullpine and use taking recoil as a balancing factor. Like, wow, I get to do this really cool thing and I get away with it because I took recoil. Alternatively, you can have things... Uh, I don't really want to plant Dash for the Cup, but it kind of helps illustrate the case. Where it's like, alright, my cards are good enough in the early game. Act, pretend this isn't Dash for the Cup. Drone Surge. Drone Surge is much better here where you have a card that's, like, good in the early game, but also, in the late game, my card still gets to maintain being good as long as I've, like, actually done my agility player job and spent my health as a resource, so long as I haven't, like, hoarded my health, which I'm not supposed to do as agility. But I think that we're creating situations where, again, players, like, feel punished for playing the game, and I think that's kind of emblematic of this misstep with how recoil is handled with the agility prism yeah i i want to emphasize on bacon's point a bit further so um uh, i think the prison impression of agility is uh, to develop the board very aggressively and remove your opponent's board using some kind of recoil such as bunking with your own hero when you have some banner unit or play some uh, uh, removal spell with great price as heals, uh, for example, green reprisal. So um, I think the board presence of agility prison is uh, less important when we introduce cards like dash for the cup or Soulpire titan. Um, you actually does not care if you are uh, if you don't have any board on the agility side, because uh, after your hero's heals drop to a certain number, you always have the option to swing, swing the tempo back to your side with cards like Soulfire Titan and Dash for the Cup. Um, that makes the uh, that's make the player that is playing against agility uh, is really having a hard time to switch again into a uh, board war because you are kind of punished punished to have a board advantage because uh you 
you give your opponent the options to use the removal spells with the recoil, and uh, you also give your opponent op the options to bunk your own unit with their hero, which they will be ha happy to do so if they have Soulpire Titan or Dash for the Cuff in their hand already. So, um, that actually kind of um, encourage players to run aggressive option as burn more than as the uni-based deck, in my opinion. So, for example, my EXO deck is a aggro deck, and uh, you can do a lot of different aggro strategy with EXO. For example, you can play hand buff, you can play board buff, and you can play uh, something like long boy system. But uh, I have been playing against a lot of agility prison uh, after the seasons renew and almost all of, the, all of them run Soulpire Titan and and Dash for the Cup. And these cards are just really, really good uh, um, comparing to their mana cost. So uh, if they manage to draw this, I always cannot win board after they drop one of one of these things. So I will try to end the game with Grave, Grave Royal because they have already lost a lot of health. And most likely I will be able to finish them off if I put a lot, uh, enough Longboid in my graveyard. And as you can see, Grave Royal serve, serve as a great, serve as a burn spell as well in this deck. So even though uh, I'm playing EXO, uh, if we look at all the burn spell available in the game, Exo is probably one of the <laughs> prison that has less burn spell and focus more on controlling the board. I, I mean, in all aggressive and mid-range decks. And even if I'm playing such deck, I still have to use burn spell to end the game. I cannot solely end the game by winning the board against my opponent. And Hot Prison is really good at winning the board after they stabilize into the mid game. So I don't think this is very healthy. And if you ask me, yeah. I think 6-6 six, six is still a lot of state. I was talking about 6-5 uh, seems like borderline acceptable if we are keeping the burn out on the Soulpire Titan. But I will be more happy to see if they remove burn out on the Titan because it's just doing so much work at the same time. Yeah. I want to elaborate on that, because frankly, Sidus, I agree entirely. And I thought that I was just, like, maybe having a sampling issue, because I mostly only play Quark Dig, and also, like, I have a very particular way that I like to play. But honestly, the reason, like, the past several months I just don't really play Agility anymore is exactly what you've talked about. The Prism doesn't really play for board in ways that I think are that fun or productive. Like, just looking at Dash for the Cup, on its own if the card is actually like something that the game or that like the prism is balanced around it's balanced with dash for the cup in mind and i think that it kind of is it's the kind of design that punishes you for doing too well because dash for the cup let's face it it's not good if it only pulls one unit it's only good whenever like you're hitting two things and you get to ram them into stuff that's only happening whenever like you're actively taking excessive amounts of damage at the same time, like, agility just doesn't have good units, and it is forced very much to play 
these very burn focused styles. That's why every agility deck has to run everything like card sling. That's why zomboids are so popular. That's why you have all these other, uh, again, drone search. Part of what made it so good was that it could just be yet another burn option. So you could just like throw burn into the opponent's face repeatedly, cycle with good draw cards, and then eventually you'd win the game because you could just explode so much burn on them. I think that that's like not a great design, and I do agree that like heart has some like actual cool things it can do, but I think that like the whole prism honestly probably needs to be reconsidered how it works. Uh, I'm gonna not disagree with you guys, but I'll give another perspective. If this has been more how agility had been played for a while, we kind of would have accepted it. We're or the player base would have. We're seeing pushback. Because a identity and a play style is changing, and how to counter it is changing. But what you should realize is it is very counterable. Like, when my first came out, we all struggled against it. And then some of us figured out, like, hey, look, play big units and don't just don't attack. Play your units, don't do anything. You have, don't even, don't even hit your, with your face. Do zero damage, let them gain 30 health or whatever. And sit back so they can never play the Soul Pyre. They can never draw and build your board, build your guard units, build your army while they're out of decking. And you can do this against Agility and not just my. You can set it up for them not to get Soul Pyre Titan early. You can set it up where you can accomplish your goals while they're not able to accomplish theirs. And you're not attacking and they can't play, let's say, Epic Eagle or Drone Surge or Dash for the Cup or Soul Pyre Titan. Um... People don't want to play that way because they want to attack and they want to do damage. And and you're right, there's a lot of decks that can't do that, but that is a counter to agility that is able. And, of course, you have to worry about vile deal, but besides that, you can prevent um, the opponent from taking damage as well. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, that doesn't work. If you're playing an aggro deck, not doing damage to your opponent is basically conceding the game. That is just, that's a non-starter. If we're actually going to take that as a design principle, you would say that if I want to play an aggressive deck, anytime I queue into agility, I should basically just, like, throw away half of my game plan. Secondly, where, reminder, this game does not have deck preview, and I know that this, this is the hill I will die on. Deck preview would make this, like, number one, like, card game in the world like hands down just give this deck preview i promise it will work guys i'm not insane but because soul pyre titan is just an agility card and dash for the cup is just an agility card and you generally don't have any clue what deck your opponent is playing the only information you have to go off of is well what tier of play you're in what things are popular in the meta and what prisms your opponent are playing if you kill queue into a random player and they are playing, say, Iris, for example, should I then be expected to not even develop board? Which, because the opponent can attack my units with their hero and deal damage to themselves that way. For fear of them playing a card that punishes me for playing units. Because that that's just a non-start. I think you're being a that's little completely... dramatic. Um Obviously, this counter only works when that is one of the things your deck can do. If you're playing big spells, if you're playing dig, if you're playing obviously not aggressive, you can get into a situation where you're not doing too much damage. Uh, 
don't group Dig in there. Dig has to play for board. Okay. Well, also like we shouldn't we shouldn't have matchups and situations where oh clearly the counter to the stack is just build something that like doesn't play units until turn seven. I'm. We shouldn't. We shouldn't force people to play those. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not talking to. about building a rock paper scissors meta either. I'm just saying when you're in a situation where you find yourself in that, and twenty damage to get that to zero is not a couple minions to feel it out. You can play units. You can get things, but you can try and control how much damage you're letting the opponent take. It, it's something to consider. It's something to do. Um, and if you are arguing that like no i have to always be pushing damage or i can't take a, i can't slow down for one turn or two turns or make them wait an extra turn to play soul pyre like th there's a dynamic there and health goes both ways and i think that you're being a little over dramatic with how you counter the damage because there is you can be subtle as well i mean there are certainly degrees of subtlety with like choosing not to use a single hero attack on this turn. Like, if you really keep track of your opponent's health and all of that, that is something you can do. But I don't really buy that. Because I'm thinking of this not just in terms of Soul Pyre Titan, but in terms of these recoil-based effects in general. Like, with, uh... Like, if we're going to have more things that are like Dash for the Cup and more things that are like Drone Rage. Like, we're just... We're creating what I think is a not a very great design space to be if you want to play aggressive games. Cytus? Um so I my opinion is uh it's really a matter of how do I say that? The the percentage of good games comparing to bad games. So so stalling against certain deck is absolutely possible. And I, I do have things that I like about Dash for the Cup and Soul Pad Titan. So the uh, this this kind of card kind of serve as the uh ultimate spell that you can use only once in an RPG battle. And when you are playing against agility, you kind of know your your opponent has such ultimate spell and they will be using this at some point. So I do agree with Blank about his opinion that you can make yourself prepared about these ultimate. When you are comfortable with them, you can expect they, they drop this very big threat, but you will have something in your hand to deal with. So for example, uh, the EXO deck I, I, I'm running have some hand buff option. So uh, if I'm playing against, say, Fox or Zoe, I can maybe just try to buff my hand several times. So after they drop uh, Sopai Titan, which is a 7-7 dash back lane, and I can drop something in return. For example, I can have a 6-5 Scarabot with Wither in my hand, and that will deal with Sopai Titan pretty nicely. And the issue I'm, I'm thinking about this card is that uh, not every match you are playing uh, is suitable for a soul strategy. So you have some hand buff options and 
uh, maybe some hide and burn spell in your aggro deck that you can maybe try to play against the agility deck lab uh, abusing Soulpire Titan and dash for the cup. But in some cases, uh, if you choose this, if you choose to store, it also benefits your opponent. So for example, uh, let's say they are playing Iris. And if you are an aggressive deck that's focusing on hand buff your cheap minions, you are having big trouble because they can hit no pseudo best or they can or they can even run when you are land self. So uh, I, I actually have a real game that I got hit by uh Soul Pyre Titan into Warden's Command into No Pseudo Best on turn six. And then I play War of Dead next turn and they play they play Quem next turn <laughs> and I'm just and, and I'm just ah. dead. So uh not every Iris deck that run Dash for the Cup and Soul Pyre Titan has to be aggro deck or has to be mid-range deck or has to be Iris Banner deck. So against certain deck, uh or for or to add another point, they can even run a lot of healing options. So if you stop, they just heal. And they can heal up to like 50 or 60. And after you decide to start the board war, and you bring them down to 40, guess what? They play Soul Titan for zero. And they are also playing Wisdom, which is the, one of the best prison in the game, in, uh, in the late game. So, uh, I I'm my experience is that stalling does not work against uh certain decks that run so high titan and and dash for the cup and it really brings frustration to play against this kind of deck and you have to find alternative other than just stalling and eventually I think it's not. Only the EXO deck I'm playing. If you are playing any deck and you want to deal with this kind of deck, you want to punch punish them for uh, executing this kind of strategy, you always end ends up running burn options because this is just the most uh, most effective way against uh, the strategy to keep damage their own hero. Uh, you can try to just burn them down after they play Soul Pipe Titan or Dash for the Cup in one turn or two turn. And, you, and in order to do this, you kind of only have to... Uh, your, your only choice is kind of burn spell. Because uh, if you try to fight for the board, uh, if they... You're not winning that uh, you, you're not You're not, you're not winning because so far Titan and Dash for the Cuff is the almost the most uh, effective way to develop the board. And you kind of have to answer these big threats while also developing your own board. And this is very, very hard. It's not impossible, but it's really, really hard. So I think the... the problems will become uh how fair we think is it to drop a unit with zero codes what power and what health and what trade and what attachment should we consider fair if it can cause zero codes in some cases and i will tell you i don't think 66 six dash 
with burnout attached is fair. No, it's. I really want agility to have like good top end things that it can do every now and then. This is just too much. Even like even ignoring all the cool things you can do in aggro, even ignoring all the cool things that you can do in control. Even if you play this like in Iris, and if you're wondering why we keep mentioning Iris, it's because this card is secretly really good with healing options. Like if you just happen to have like a random Neferti heal you for four. Alright, cool, I get to play this for 0 and have 16 health. If you play a random Gift of Aya, cool, I get to throw even more hit points away because I just have that. Uh, yeah, it just, it just does everything. Like, if you play this and you only have 4 cards left in your deck, which is a long time to wait, but if you do that, then it's just a 3 mana draw 4. Yeah. It's just, it's just too good. It does too much because it kills stuff, it draws. It's also a body and a threat, and it has good stats. I don't, I I don't want to just like butcher the card because like we kind of have a habit of doing that in Skyweaver Balance. Not like not like it hasn't been justified in the vast majority of cases, but I like to try and keep things around. But I don't really see anything to be done other than just getting rid of burnout. Maybe you replace it with something like. Uh, like another three mana fire spell, like I don't know, Run Wild, Vlad's Command, Searing Rage could be interesting. Now it's like a plus one, but it's even more recoil. I think that might be appropriate. I don't know. That's an interesting idea. Yeah. And uh. like, I only say that because I think Searing Rage is like very bad. I I've seen that like the win rate on it is very high, even without it. Frankly, I don't get it. I don't know why. I think that something fishy is going on with that card, and I think that is actually not that great. Searing Rage is good. Yeah. No! Well, if I'm outvoted, I guess I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, if we can skip directly onto the Deep Sea Serpent change, I think uh, it's actually... Okay, so we're going to have to cover the Blight cards and the uh, ally buffing cards next episode. We have 10 minutes, so we're going to go and do Deep Sea and um, Undercroft, and then we're going to have to call it a day with, and then get to the rest next week because we, we don't have time to go. Because Blight's going to be a whole conversation um, we have to have, and we just don't have time right now. Yeah. Okay, Blight actually makes me upset because I spent so long working out the uh, freaking, like, utility considerations for the Blight equation. I still got it wrong, and I had to issue an update. And now they freaking do this shit, and I've got to reevaluate every single card in the myriad of interactions with a whole new decision tree for how you actually use Blight. Just ugh, more work. Okay, let's really quickly... We'll talk about Blight next week. Let's really quickly... Let's go to Deep Sea Serpent, because that was a major change, and that was a major mover in the meta this past week. Cytus, you wanted to start us there? So, uh... The reason I want to bring... Uh... Our discussion directly onto this card is actually because I think this is some... Uh... Rare cases that I think... Uh... Playing... Uh... This unit for zero cost is actually fair. I know Bacon does does not like the fact that you can play this guy on turn one when it's still a six six with with steals and shield, but uh I have played against this combo uh decent amount of times, 
in my game, and I actually think it's fair. So, if you ask me about my opinion on this change, I think it's overnerved. It should be at least keeping it still. So, uh, let's just say we can play this guy for zero cost, and it's a sixty steel shell. Is it? Does it feel like more troublesome for you to play against comparing to Sophia Titan? I know the condition is not equal. Uh, so for example, achieving the condition of Deep Sea Serpent is obviously a lot easier comparing to uh having a lyrical Sophia Titan. But uh, I I want to discuss on the fairness level of uh lyrical unit. Uh, could be. So, um, do you guys really think that Deep Sea Serpent was overpowered? Yeah. So I played Deep Sea Serpent for I don't know, probably twenty games last uh week with the combo, and yeah, it's way overpowered. It was great. I won all the time. The only people who was really <laughs> able to beat me were people who run Judgment and had it first turn. Besides that, I was victorious. Consistently six six stealth shroud, and my deck wasn't built around just the sea serpent. Sea serpent was there, so they had to lose tempo for two three turns um, until I had built up a board, and then I just played my game with them behind for the rest of the match. Uh, so you are running the Mira deck. It was Mira, yeah. Uh, so so what? Type of Mira is that? Uh, is that Mira Surge that run a lot of guard units? It was not. It was. It was a Mira guard. Um, it was not Ether Surge at all, though. I just you don't want to run Ether Surge with the DC. Yeah, it wasn't Ether Surge. It was just um, Armis and guard um, with a fairly low curve, but had okay, some so big units. But basically, it was just um get deep sea out there early most of the time and then build up small guard units buffed fast and have an overwhelming board um bef that you can build while they're dealing with deep sea or kill them in okay. four turns so uh i think if this card can be played for zero in my it might be a trouble uh but uh, if you run mine, you kind of will be really have a very, very hard time to play this early because you don't have the tutoring option to get it out. So uh, if you want to play this on early turns, the only choice for you is pretty much uh, Mira. And in Mira, I think uh, if this guy lose deals and... Uh, no matter how you build around uh, cheating Deep Sea Serpent, I think it should at least cost 3, right? I cannot think of any combo that make it cost 3 or less in early games. So, uh, if this costs 3, uh, I think the 5 heals is pretty fair. So, the only openness uh, about this card after the patch 108 is that it has five power, so it can push more damage uh, on the early games to enemy hero. Uh, but that's kind of all. That's kind of all. 
And does this really benefit Mira enough to uh, make you trick your deck building by inserting some options that could be unstable in some cases? Yeah, absolutely uh, not. Like this, this is enough of a nerf for me not to run Sonic Signal into Discover. It's I don't think it's worth it anymore. It's still good, and if that's what you really like to do, you can do it. But I don't think it moves the needle as much as it did before. Yeah. And another deck that could possibly run this, I I I think is probably Rata Banjo, uh, because you can oh. you can get this guy. Oh, I I actually played played Rata a few times this season, and um, you can actually bring this guy out uh, consistently because you can get this with Isa and uh, Banjo have plenty of Ashram to bring a two cost unit, for example, by using Casinchron or by using Teleport. So uh, let's say uh, you just run Giza and Deep Sea Serpent as only two units in your deck. Uh, you should be able to uh, get this out pretty consistently uh, if you manage to draw uh, Iron Mask before like turn 4 and by drawing Iron Mask uh, before turn 4 I mean it's probably something like a 35% chance to do so and then you can play uh, Deep Sea Serpents on turn 4 after Iron Mask and uh I think if so, the issue about this kind of banjo deck is it's it's really really hard for them to push damage. So, for example, in my games against Rata this season, uh, he just removed everything I played, and he he even ran Quem. So the thing I do is I I just play as much long boy as possible. I try to get uh bridge the gate from my deck, uh as much as possible and I don't care if if he just keep removing my guys because after I play Gary and I just wait for Wave Royal which I can draw by from my Savi and once I got enough Longboy in my graveyard uh, I just play Grave Royal and again end. Uh, it doesn't matter if he play Iron Mask or not because if I have enough Longboy after the Gary uh, I just have enough damage. And I think I was behind the whole game. And he just don't have enough damage to finish finish off my hero. And uh Deep Sea Serpent in this kind of deck is is of course a chance to uh so serve as the damage outputting role, but uh with six six steel shot I think it's possible, but five five we saw still. Uh it's really not that much damage to take. I, I don't think it will change anything. So I think steals is kind of necessary in on this card because you really really want to push for some additional damage damage output with it. Otherwise this will just be a a unit without any text to sitting there. I mean, the shell does help, but not much. 
Okay, in the future, I'm going to have to time us when we go over patch notes, because I don't know how we reached this uh, late in the episode already. I really don't know. We had a lot to talk about. I, you know, I want to talk about the remaining cards. We're going to have to take the Blights to next week, and the Ally is coming up next week, and Undercroft next week. Uh, I'm really, really quickly, in less than 30 seconds, going to mention um, Kaigan's Secrets went from an 8 cost to a 6 cost. Um, I think that's important to mention now because the Iris deck we were talking about that deals with the health of units will be using that, um, and it's important for Warden's Command, which we were talking about. I think the card wasn't very good, and I ran it, and now it's very good, and I'll continue to run it. Um, I wanted to wrap this episode up with a couple of interesting things around the community. Is there anything you guys need to say about the patch before we move everything to next week? Uh, in general, it was good. I liked it. Okay, I wanted to give a shout-out to um, Magic or Magical. He's pretty excited about this. Um, he's, a, he's a community member. He's involved heavily in setting up and running some Skyweaver tournaments. Um, he's also someone who watches the blockchain and makes sure nothing funky is happening with the tokens or the NFTs, which I appreciate. Uh, and he also just takes interest in the lore, and he's been working on Sky Speech for a while. You guys might have heard he uh, wanted me to let you know that he's we've deciphered Sky Speech. Are we excited about that? Wait, what? We've just we, what, we, wait, we have we got it. We got it. We got magical. Uh, got Sky Speech entirely uh he said there's yeah. seven seven characters he doesn't know still but that should be pretty Holy easy shit. to uh um figure out yeah i have been following the thread intensely and i even tried to solve it myself with the help of chat gpt <laughs> and i i don't i i i failed to do so so being able to do it without the help of ai is actually very very impressive my gosh, you're kidding me. So, we talked... How the frick did he get it? Uh, I'll let him give out the details of that. Uh, I'll just uh, share what the battleground says, and you can ask him about more information, because uh, some of the cards were actually printed with Sky Speech on them before Sky Speech had an official solution, so they might be updated later with actual text. But the battlefield the Sky Battles happened on is translatable. Oh, damn. And if you know the island you play your battles on has writing on your side on the left and right next to your cards uh, in this weird ruined language called Sky Speech. And it's been translated and on the battlefield it says... The battles in the sky are decided on this ground. Ready yourself. Haha, <laughs> that's cool. And on the other yeah. side, it said, The Elders 3, past, present, and future, watch over sky. Oh, that's the conquest statues. Right, that's what I yeah. thought. So uh, if you are listening and you want to follow this discussion, you can hop on the main Skyweaver Discord. And there is a channel named question and answers and uh in this channel you will see a lot of different threads 
and we are talking uh, the thing we are talking about is under the sky speech thread so if you are interested in this kind of uh, symbolic and cultural stuff of Skyweaver, you can check check it out yourself. All right, and shout out to you, Bacon. You have a new episode uh, or a new paper coming out this week, right? Or it should be out by the time this is launched? Uh, by the time this is launched, we should have the uh, latest episode. Episode You did it to me. I did it. The latest article for uh, the Seeing Sky series, this one covering uh, Wisdom. We've been really like cranking them out lately, which uh, I'm really happy about. I hope you guys are looking forward to them as much as I am. You gave me an advanced copy of this one, uh, which I read, and I think it's really great. And and I was surprised, uh, no offense, I've missed some of them, but I was really surprised by how much lore was in there that you must be gleaning from the devs that uh, they haven't told anyone else. So if you need some juicy lore, try to read these uh, articles. Bro, I've got secrets. I've got somebody on the inside. I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but his name is Coulter. <laughs> and he tells me all the juiciest things. Oh, yeah. Um, also, Mata. Mata is also a big help with the articles. Okay, I'm going to wrap this episode up with a, see- with a question I have for you, Sidus. Because I got in this discussion on the Discord... And I'm not going to go into too much detail. It was me and Henry Chess and stuff, and he was talking you up about how you have done the math for the mana cost versus the benefit cost of all the cards, and you have spreadsheets, and you know the game, and you have analysts, and you study game theory, and you would be a good person to know the math behind balancing uh, a card game. I'm not going to ask you if... You think you should be the one balancing this card game. I'm going to ask you if you had a perfectly balanced card game, like where all your math and your equations and everything worked out perfectly to make a 100% balanced card game, would you want to play that game? Uh, I think uh, we do have this kind of game. It's chess. Uh, yeah, it's chess. Yeah. So... I, I don't think... Is chess perfectly balanced, though? Yeah, white, white's um, got the advantage. So, uh, we... we Even in Gen's Designers Theory, uh, we we don't aim to design a perfectly balanced card game. But we do have some uh, common sense about how unbalanced a card game should be. So I'm pretty sure you guys know normal distribution, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So in no in normal distribution, we have a median number, and most of the cards in the card game should be here, and we also have a standard uh, diffusion. Sorry, my English is not good, but De- I, deviation standard uh, deviation yeah. standard deviation. So uh, most of the game designers kind of agree that if we use mana codes as an anchor point. Uh, we should use a, a stand-up deviation of one mana in the normal distribution um, of our card game. So that means the most OP cards in a single card game uh, should be six mana better than the worst card in the card game. But it's just a principle, so it can be broken in some rare cases. 
if it see fits in some design aspect, but yeah, I think most of the designers will agree with that. We'll uh, we'll have to get your nuggets of game design theory in the podcast more often. Have a little segment where you teach us about games as a whole, and we don't have to focus just on Skyweaver. Um, but for today, we are going to have to wrap this up. We're over time. We're over the time we spent interviewing for the new release, and we've only reviewed like six cards. So, yeah. <laughs> um, anything last to say, Bacon, real quick, or Citus, go ahead. Uh, let's just save it to the next episode. Yep. Okay, so we have a bunch more cards from this patch to review in the next episode. Thanks for hanging out with us. Sorry we went long, and have a wonderful day, night, and life. <laughs>